The stories we tell communicate who we are and what we value. Each episode, we consider a different story from our perspective as women. From murder ballads to fairy tales, we discuss the power these stories have over us all. This is our history, both real and imagined, told through the eyes of today. This is Femlore. Hi guys, it's Mindy. And this is Rachel. Um, Tell Andy I say hi. I see him there giving me that (laughs) bored look. He's like, another story? For those of you who don't know, my super needy chihuahua um, is in the studio with us today. He just is being a little clingy, so he's here listening. And Can you quickly tell them why his name is Andy? Sure. So we, um, I was able to convince my husband that if we went to the pound, we could only, we would just go look. We'd just, just some window shopping. You we know, didn't have to leave one with does. anyone. Yeah. Um, anyways, long story short, we come across this adorable little chihuahua who has a cone on um, because he'd had to have surgery. And that's kind of part of why I think he ended up at pause. But anyways, we saw him and he looked up at me and then they told me his name was Andy. And I was like, He's the one because I had watched Shawshank Redemption the night before with Andy Dufresne and he escapes from prison. And I was like, it's our little Andy Dufresne and we're helping him escape from the pound. From <laughs> You know, whenever I see him, I imagine him holding a spoon in his mouth, just like trying to get out. Let me out of here. Who do you think his poster would be of? Oh, great question. Oh, I don't I don't even have an idea. Do you have an idea? Maybe Lady from Lady and the Tramp. Yes. (laughs) He'd be like, that girl is hot. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know his sexuality. I don't know. I guess I was trying to be silly, but maybe it'd just be a picture of himself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Andy Dufresne. Little Andy Dufresne. Little baby. Little baby. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear a story. Okay. Well, let's let's get to it. So um, have you heard of the owl? Which owl? Like... (laughs) <laughs> a story of the owl have you heard anything about this what's what are your first thoughts when i say the owl oh, well now all i can think of is the joke that you made earlier about the owls possibly being just a group of owls <laughs> so i'm imagining like a bar crawl filled with owls and i can't get it out of my head they're all mid-40s bowling you got like al bundy yep. mm-hmm. some why do they all bowl i don't understand that me either does this owl bowl that you're gonna tell I mean, me about well, whew, it's a little bit more complex because they may bowl with uh, women's lives. So we'll just talk oh, about it. Yeah, it's pretty strike. dark. Strike. <laughs> and that's why I get paid for this. I don't get paid. <laughs> I was about to say, who's paying you? I don't get paid. <laughs> Wait a minute. We, need, we both need to make money on this. Um, yes. Equal rights. Equal rights. Um so this this is actually a story kind of similar to the Ballad of Gilgamesh, if you've heard about that with Lilith, that kind mm. of situation. Um, so actually, I just want to give a quick shout out to our listeners who actually brought the story to our attention. So if you go to our website, you'll see that there's a little submission form that you can do and give us um, kind of story ideas or any ideas you guys may have. And we got two people, two separate listeners who gave us the owls and they are not bowling alley owls. So they're not drinking the cheap beer, like the dads waiting for their kids to finish, you know, bowling, just like getting drunk. No, just me. 
Okay. No, I, I know what you're talking uh, okay, about. That's yeah, just yeah. why I'm making the disgusting <laughs> face. <laughs> um, so this actually was it was suggested by Justin Ingleking and Michelle Wilzenski. I'm sorry, Michelle, I might say your name, your last name wrong. So I'm so sorry. Um, if you want to reach out to us and let us know um, what your last name is said, we will correct ourselves. But from what I can tell, it's Wilzenski. And um, it's this, it's this, the story on Lilith is what they suggested. So we kind of took that suggestion and we like flipped it. We were like, oh, Lilith, boom. Because that's what we do at Femlore. We flip it. Flip it and reverse it. That's right. That's what we do. <laughs> so um, real quick, this story um, was actually done. A lot of the research was done by our researcher, Lauren Crossland-Marr. And we took a lot of descriptions of the owl from the two, 2001 Owl Reconsidered. I ran in the caucus by Garnick, by Garnick Asa Terranian. They can look in the show notes. Okay. This is a, check the show notes. Check the show notes. Um, we this, don't know how to say it. <laughs> that's right. Um, the story is from actually very many sources. So uh, are you ready? I think so. All right. Let's ready to be wowed. Jump in. The garden was lonely. He was lonely. God in his infinite wisdom knew this. I will make a companion for you, said God. God made Al from fire, but Adam didn't take to her. She was too fiery for the earth-made man. God then made Eve from Adam's rib, and the two humans made from the earth worked well together. The owl, now a scorned being, swore to take revenge on Eve and her daughters. She would make them suffer for taking Adam from her. All this flashed behind her eyes as the midwife ran to her. It was dark. She had been in labor for what felt like weeks. She's bleeding. She foggily heard the midwife say to her assistant, She was not well. She was dying. She was so tired, she thought of all this and turned her head, and that's when she saw her. Her sharp fangs, long nose, iron teeth, and claws as long as slaws, with fiery eyes because of her fire birth. Her sagging breasts shook as she swayed over the mother, stabbing her claws into the mother's belly. The new mother cried in pain. She's here, she's here! She thought she screamed, but it was a mere whimper, left unheard by the midwife running in and out with blood-soaked rags. It was like a dance, she thought, clean and white, to bloodstain over and over again. She tried again. She's here. Just a bit louder, and the midwife stopped. She didn't need to know who she was. She already knew. Her assistant looked in terror. We must stop the owl before she crosses the brook, she yelled, as she ran out of the house towards the body of water. She came over a hill and saw her. A darkness that swayed like the moonlight bubbles of the brook. Stop, she cried. She turned. No, it turned. Its claws glinted with blood. Sagging breasts followed and stopped with her turn. It smiled, showing long, sharp, razor-like teeth. The assistant ran towards the owl, seeing from far away the liver she had in a basket. The liver was of the woman in childbirth. They all knew that if the owl crossed the brook, the young mother would surely die. The assistant ran between the owl and the brook, grabbed her cross and yelled something inaudible. The rage of a woman who can see a fellow woman's fate. The assistant roared more powerfully, and the owl, without recourse, disappeared. At the moment of vanishing, she heard the baby cry from inside the home, and the mother cooing with relief. Whoa. It, yeah, intense, right? I'm just glad I never heard this story, like, or... We didn't share it when our any of our closest friends were pregnant. Now I don't want people to be scared that the owl's coming for them. <laughs> well, I think this is very indicative of the precariousness of birth 
back before hospital. I mean, did you know, this is a statistic that I learned recently. Did you know that a pregnant woman in, in America, so this isn't all over the world, but um, in the United States is more likely to die from murder than from her her own childbirth. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, that's how that's how we've come. That's how far we've come as a society on like women's health. And I mean, we still have a ton more to go. But uh, the fact that like women can now fear external threats over their actual birth, big deal, right? Yeah. I mean, we're we're pretty lucky. We're in a pretty lucky time period because, you know, you you were probably looking at fifty percent chance of death. You know, and this story is kind of a way of making people think that it, you know, someone died because of a an evil spirit that came and did something. Right. But I think it's very telling that it's a woman. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, in order to get pregnant, you have to be with a male. Right. If you're a woman um, in in traditionally, you know, there's a lot of other ways to get pregnant now. And, uh, you know, it's not um, traditionally that's kind of how it worked. Right. But the male is still blameless in that case, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, they they didn't have to do any of that other work. And I think it's very telling that a woman is the one that would kill another woman while they're in like the most precarious portion of their life. Um, and it fills me with rage, makes me pretty mad. It's like, I don't know, couldn't the owls be like Adam's? By the way, hold on, just backtracking. Shouldn't Adam like... He got two partners. He got more than one partner. And like, we just get stuck with Adam, right? Like, okay. Also, I have a friend that's named Adam and he's fine, right? But he's not like, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. Adam is just fine. He's just fine. He's not great. He's just fine. Are we talking about Adam in general or this poor friend of yours that we've now (laughs) repeatedly just called fine? (laughs) No, I'm just saying that like... I think this is a problem with romantic love, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. Poor Adam, my friend, who's no longer going to be my friend after he listens to this episode. <laughs> but I think, like, you know, like, like it's up to the woman to bring that kind of, like, um, amazingness, right? The reason that Adam didn't connect with Al is because of Al, not Adam, which is, like, very fundamental to the way even now we do rom-coms, right? We do anything. It's all about that male gaze, you know? Oh, for sure. And even thinking about the fact that, um, you know, why instead was it not looked at that she was more deserving to have the right partner or someone who could appreciate her, you know, looking at the power of fire and that she had, like, why not take a bit of her fire and create a fire partner as opposed to being like, oh, Adam's the one who gets to be happy and gets to have, you know, someone who's made of him. Yeah. But even that, you know, I mean, I guess I don't want to necessarily take the story here and offend people who maybe, you know, really believe in the story of creation in that way. But it's, you know, that story that women are created from Adam right there in the story puts us as a creation kind of owned by Adam, it's putting women second. It's, you know, these stories are stories from like much closer to the beginning of time. And I think it really shows that these stories are continue to be known and heard that story of Adam and Eve. And, you know, Eve comes second. She belongs to Adam. And that really is something that, um, 
you know, I think we've come a long way in women getting closer to equal rights, but stories like this can be really harmful because it's it's written. <laughs> you know, this is this is what was said. This was what was written and so everybody believed it, but Yeah, and I think the worst part of this is that the fact that she's not created from him makes her in at its core lesser, right? Yeah. And I think that is um, so problematic. And then not only is she not created from him, right? So, and that's already bad, right? Like, oh man, women have to be created for men. Like, great, cool, we're here. Then she has to go and her revenge is, is like on other women, which like, what? Yeah. I'll take a class. Like, learn some things, you know? And, I, you know, there is um, a part well, of me. We still see that in movies and things yeah. today. Mm-hmm. But I think there are some differences. I didn't mean to cut you off, but no. it kind of makes me think of um, what's her, that country music, the Carrie Underwood, where she's got that song, you know, like she finds out that he cheats and she goes and beats up his his truck Mm -hmm. or whatever. And like, I kind of, I like that one for the sense that it talks about it in a different way. She doesn't go slash the tires of, you know, the girl that he cheated with. She goes and she messes up his truck. So, you know, you're saying that ladies got to stick together. You know, it's not, (laughs) who knows like what he said to, or any partner for that matter. You know, like if somebody meet somebody and they claim that they're single and that person falls for them, it's not their fault. I mean, I do think we also have to stick together where if someone finds out that someone isn't single, you know, like people have to look out for that. Oh, and I disagree. You do? Let me tell you why. Okay, let's hear because it. Because that's not on that's not on that ex that other woman's like, that's not on the other woman. That's on your husband to make sure that he's not. That's how I feel. Oh, if- for sure. But I guess I'm saying, like, if my husband or let's. OK, let's, let's, let's not like, use like. My yeah, let's not do husband. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying if someone is married, I, I guess. Yeah, it's not that I'm necessarily saying who should be blamed. It's more my preference. I. If I were single and somebody came up to me and was like, well, I'm married, but, you know, like we're basically separated. The marriage isn't done. I'd be like, "Okay, well, get it separated and come back to me. Like my I guess I just and maybe I don't know, you know, people obviously feel differently about this sometimes. But um, if somebody is able to cheat on who they're with and not think that that matters, like I don't want that. So my view would be like, no, thank you. I'm not necessarily saying that like, um, who's to blame. I mm-hmm. guess it's just more that like, I don't know. We I, Maybe we got off track. I don't even know if <laughs> no, that's no, really that's like. <laughs> no, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I mean, I think the, the onus is on the person that's in the relationship. That is their job to protect that relationship. And I know like in personally, like I will protect my relationship till I die. I don't care how attractive you are. If you're Brad Pitt, it doesn't matter. My husband is my husband. I chose him. He's my best friend. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like go against that. Right. And I think that's on me. That's not on Fabio or whoever it is that I end up cheating with Tom on, which is a very funny (laughs) statement to say. So Tom's going to hear this and then he's going to laugh out loud. But I'm just saying like, you know, that's on. And I think that's the problem is so what the owl does is 
um, it's kind of like shifting blame from women to women again. And then we also got blamed for getting out of paradise. So it's like, by the way, paradise was probably super boring. Nobody had iPhones. Like, you're just hanging out with snakes. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And obviously, there's a lot of like sexual undertones with that. There's been a lot of scholarship around that. I don't want to get like super boring. But I think that there's something there about like, you know, okay, okay. I'm going to get on my soapbox. Give me a second. Get let me on adjust it. it. Oh, let me adjust it. Let me help let you me up, up, girl. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, they are great. Okay. I feel like it's okay to not like women, to like a woman, because we should be allowed those gradations of like, you know, this lady is not great. I don't like her. That's okay. Um, but not at the expense of all women, right? Like, I think uh, men are very lucky to get that gradation. We're like, oh, I don't like him, but I like him. And as like a feminist, it's very hard for me because I want to like all women and I want to support all women. However, we should be allowed that gradation as well. And I feel like the owl is like in my face about no gradation. It's like you are attacking other women who are trying to give life, right? Like, oh my God, that's like the worst kind of woman. And there's something there that is um, inherently upsetting, but also it's another woman. So it's just like anger inducing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know how to how to process this story. Like, I feel bad for the owl. Like, she got kicked out. But then her whole life is about getting revenge for a man. And I don't, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, and just putting so much worth on him. Like, as if her life would be so much better if she had had him. And I think even that to its core is, you know, that's fairy tale one on 101 that we've been taught is that, like, your life isn't complete or like worthwhile enough until you have a partner to spend it with. And that's not the case. And I think, you know, that's the whole story of her. Like she's so scorned because she couldn't have this one man. And now granted, obviously at this time, there was only one man. So sure, it made it seem like maybe he was her only choice. But also, like he wasn't deserving. I mean, her life being a fire goddess or whatever she is like you could have had a badass life just on your own so um you know let's let's rewrite the story you know if we could what would that look like like maybe instead she could have used her fiery powers so that when women were going through childbirth she would go to whoever knocked the woman up <laughs> make them feel a fiery pain in their groin so they could <laughs> commiserate or at least you know so often i feel like um men will be like, oh, it's just so hard because, you know, I, I don't know what she's going through or, you know, like maybe the Al could have instead helped <laughs> in oh, that no. way. Yeah. 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 Well, and like, let's be honest, Adam never does the dishes. It's like, why would you be with somebody that doesn't even do the fucking dishes? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, um, too, there's this uh, tendency in our society to build up relationships and um, being married I just feel like my relationship is a friendship first. Like it is something that we are friends first. And I think that is kind of lost on this, like on, on our generation. Like, you know, it's funny. Um, I can remember one time I, I think it was last like Valentine's day. I had someone comment on my social media feed. I had, I did a post around Valentine's day kind of talking about like, 
why Valentine's Day is a little messed up and like to focus on real love and connection or whatever. And it's funny that you mentioned the dishes thing because I had someone comment like, well, real love to me is coming home and finding out that my partner has already done the dishes. Yes. I was like, you know, like that is real. <laughs> that is happiness. That is love that, you know, it's not always the fake stuff. But I mean, we're in such a culture where you look at The Bachelor, people are so obsessed with that show. And it's all so fake. It's not real life. That's why sometimes a lot of them don't work out because you're literally in these paradise scenarios where everything's paid for and you don't really know each other. And so I think to your point, yeah, I mean, friendship matters, whatever that looks like, like that relationship building to me matters as well in a relationship. Yeah. And it's very interesting because I think we like Romeo and Juliet, would they have worked out? Like he was just getting over Rosalind. You know what I mean? Like he probably would have been like if they had lived to 40, like God, Rosalind was so much better at that. Right? Like literally it was the day after Rosalind. So I, I just feel like he's, you know, I think we take these stories and we're like, well, that's what true love is. And I think we need to reevaluate what love is. I think we need to reevaluate that, that because I actually think in a lot of ways, so Buck still up here, his looks nice up here. Um, you know, that's a lot of the ways that we've been kept down as women, right? It's, it's a mechanism to make us feel like we are with uh, somebody that we quote unquote love, but we can't actually have a friendship or talk to, right? And I've been in those relationships and it's fucking miserable. So I think kind of like reframing that. And then also in thinking about the owl, like that's, that's a, that's a male view of how women, you know, like I know it's another woman that sees the owl as she's giving birth. But it's a male view of how women are, right? Like we we go against each other, you know, when when something like that is happening, when something catastrophic is happening. And there's something like highly patriarchal about that kind of like view of women, like, you know, women against each other over a man. And we just keep getting back to that same story. And it's like the owl, you know what? I think in real life, the owl is like chilling. Like, she's like, here, do you want some tea? Let me help you out. Like, I know you've been hungry because you've been giving birth for birth for like 80 hours. Like, here, let me help you. Like, I imagine the Alice, like a very kind old nurse, like comes up and is like, you know, I know you're going through a hard time. I'm here for you. Yeah. She's got the jello. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just want the jello. <laughs> you do? <laughs> I mean, if that's all you've eaten, that's all you want. You yeah. know, you just yeah. want some jello. It's just something that she can provide. And I feel like she gets demonized because of the way that she was born. And then also she has to go against other women which when they're at their most vulnerable. Let's talk about that. Because mm -hmm. women in general are already very vulnerable in our society, right? Like if you listen to favorite podcasts, I'm not going to name them, but I love crime podcasts and they're very good. But the underarching, like the overarching me message is women are should be fearing life right they should be fearing that police officer pulls you over be careful ask for his badge number make sure that he is actually who he says he is because you don't know and um there's something about that that uh while i understand because the reality is such that you can't rely on uh society to help you you have to kind of take that into your own you know you have to take that in and like make it what you will um, you have to survive on your own in that sense. But I also feel like it's a way to kind of 
make women feel unsafe. And, um, you know, if, if the man is staying late at the office, but the woman's afraid to, cause she doesn't want to go out to her car at 1am, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you hear stories, you hear very dangerous stories of women and a lot of very sad things that happen to women. But I wonder if it's a mechanism to make them afraid. Like as a woman moving through my environment, I am constantly afraid. And that's not fair. And constantly judged, yeah. you know, even and I think that extra judgment and pressure on women, you know, I mean, it all it all adds up. It all goes together, right? Even I, I thought it was interesting the way that the Al's was described. You know, she's not described as like flowing fiery hair or like beautiful terms. You know, it was talking about her claws, her, her dagger. Breasts. Yeah. Which like, go girl. Listen, I'm all about it. You do your thing. You uh, let your body out there. Go for it. Let them hang. Let them yeah. swing. I mean, listen, I wish I could do that. In fact, you know what? When I work from home, I barely ever wear a bra and it's I just like keep it neck up, you know, like super business neck up. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. But, you know, like I feel I feel for her like, yeah, you should just let them all just let them all out. Right. But even just the way that she's described, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, of course, she's made to not be described as being um, beautiful. So she already is. We are supposed to hear that and think. Oh, how how could she? How ugly? How you know? Not give her any value, or mm-hmm. um, yeah, not give her any value. <laughs> she doesn't get any value because she's not pretty, right? Why, why would you like? If you think about that with any of the other, you know, any fairy tale that you know, if Sleeping Beauty was like sleeping okay, like sleeping instead of beauty, just like sleeping mediocre, you know what I mean? Sleeping Judy, sleeping Judy, <laughs> just like random, you know, just like a random lady. Um, would we still have that story? I don't think so. And I think um, this idea of placing like looks above everything else, you know, the owls falls very um, victim to that as well. So I guess while I don't like her in general, because I think she's hurting women at their most vulnerable, not a fan owls, maybe stop that. Like just making that a call to action. Like owls, don't do that. I do feel sorry for her because she has a a very patriarchal view of the world. And I want her to kind of like get out of her shell, but keep the breasts out because why not? Yeah. I mean, all of this in my mind is just the epitome of why stories like this can be so harmful when, Mm -hmm. you know, we do not have an equal playing field. It gets really dicey. But I think also what the owls is alluding to is a lot more about women hurting other women, which happens a lot, you know, where I had this boss one time years ago. Um, she would tell me that my work was shit and like, why did I come in today? And, you know, why, um, you know, you're not talented. And, you know, there were all these hurtful things and it took me so long to just realize my own value again. Not saying that, like, that's a different level. But I think there is a lot of women who hurt other women um, for the for the gays. And I, there's something there that I, like, that's even worse. What, um, who said that? That, um, that women who don't help other women have a special place in hell. And I, I actually, okay, so I will asterisk that statement real quick and say, it's okay to dislike women. You know, we're at a place where women are getting more and more footing. We're able to actually do things. We're able to actually lead corporations. It's okay to see women as gray. 
I think seeing women as black and white is harmful in its own way. It's like seeing anything black and white. There's a lot of gray and it's not helpful. People are people. We need to get back to that. But I think that there is something there about the owls really taking advantage of women in a way that is extremely harmful. And I also think there's a patriarchal idea of like women are giving birth, right? They're giving birth to the next generation. And that, um, you know, inherently is wonderful, right? I think there's something about the owls that makes it not wonderful that I kind of love because it's like, um, you know, you, you see these people who talk about their birth and they're like, it wasn't magical. That shit was hard. <laughs> like, that shit wasn't fun. Like, I wasn't like, oh, great. I get to, like, um, uh, somebody I know, I'm not going to say who, but somebody I know said that they threw up from the pain. Like, they were in the car and they were throwing up. They had to pull over the car because it was so painful. Um, I feel like that idea of magic is very patriarchal. It's very from the patriarchy saying, yeah, women giving birth. And there are women who just like, it slides out and it's fine. They're good. But there are women who have very hard births who are, I, I know of somebody that was in labor for a week. That is not rosy. You know, like that's not rosy. That's not like the Chanel version of giving birth. That is not what that is, right? That is like hard work where you're in so much pain consistently that you start to lose your mind. <laughs> like the, there, there is something upsetting about the owls and who she targets. And I think, I don't know. Well, yeah. And I also want to, you said something earlier that made me think, um, you said some like quote and then you asterisked it. Oh yeah. Uh, w- sorry. There's a special place in hell for women who don't support other women. Yeah. But I think kind of the like flip side to that is the fact that like empowered women empower women. Yeah. And in my mind, that's where I was trying to go with thinking about, you know, women who already aren't empowered. Like if that's, if that's your view, like I feel very lucky and blessed that I have learned and that I'm surrounded by like love and people who value me on the same playing field. But if that is not your reality, I do think it's, it's hard and there's, you know, more opportunity for judgment and you probably see other women as your competition because your only way through life is your dependency on someone else making money and taking care of you. So then your, you know, your need and your value becomes your like these older stories of your your beauty, your ability to have children, your ability to be, you know, these very gender rolled, like stereotypical roles for women. Um, so I do think it just it continues to go like when women are held down, I do think it's, it's harder, and maybe it becomes cattier. I mean, your world is so much smaller in those situations, um, because you're not empowered. But um, I also think it's interesting where you were going before, because there's so many stories of birth, whether it be hard or easy or whatever, but we always kind of assume that women are going to have birth, that mm-hmm. like women's role is is to procreate, but it's not always that, you know, everybody might not choose that path. And I me included. There you go. Yeah. yeah you know, like everybody's path might be different, whether mm-hmm. you adopt or do foster care, or maybe you don't want to have kids. You mm-hmm. want to travel. You want to mm-hmm. focus on your career, you know, like um it's just, it's interesting that there's always such a strong tie and so many stories, you know, and I, I think even for me, the story that I had kind of thought growing up or written for my future included 
a white picket fence and children and all of these things. But life doesn't always play out that easily. And women are so much more than that. Plus, gray is like a better color. If you're going to have a picket fence, it should be gray. I think. Well, I'd rather have a pink one, if we're being honest. <laughs> really, I couldn't tell with your headphones that are bright pink. <laughs> so people who can't see, we needed another set of headphones. And I was like, well, I don't want to just get another pair of black headphones. I found these really cool. <laughs> Metallic headphones. <laughs> Metallic pink they headphones. They make me very happy. But, yeah. you know, it's too, you know, I think the funny thing is, Thinking about that, like white picket fence, gray picket fence, whatever you, whatever you feel, you know. I, it's funny. I was watching. Um, God, I haven't seen this movie in forever. But Sex in the City, the movie. I like. I have a lot of problems with that show. I think like they aren't very representative. I think there's a lot of like problems with it. But one thing I realized last night uh, when I was watching that show it was on like TBS or something. I was on a work trip. Is that Carrie is childless. That has never been talked about. She just doesn't have children. And it like I hadn't even thought about it. And I had like a moment where I was like, holy shit. Like somebody I've been watching for this long time. And again, there's a lot of problems with Sex and the City. I'm not saying that it's perfect. But there's a woman that doesn't have children and doesn't seem to want them. She doesn't even say anything about it. And there's something there that just made me feel okay about it. You know, like seeing people who... Yes, it's fictional, but seeing women in television that don't have the things that most women do, but also being friends with women that do have that, right? Like thinking about your future and what you want to mold, it might be different from somebody else, and that's okay. Um, I had never thought of that before. And I think there was something so powerful in that, just like that realization that like, holy shit, somebody that I watch on television doesn't have children. <laughs> I don't know. It just felt very like... I don't know. It felt kind of empowering. Again, there's a lot of problems, but I, I do think that one sec, that one piece, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You Did really you don't see that, that. No, I had never thought. I mean, but yeah, I mean, we don't need to get in all the problems, but no, it's like, don't. you know, so much of her focus is on a relationship to validate her. So, I yes. mean, that's kind of her yes. focus. Agree. Agree. Yeah, not having the children. Um, but it's not on children. Which is in some ways refresh refreshing. And yeah. I think the owls is a way to make so okay, birth is scary, labor is scary, right? That whole thing is very scary. And I think it's really interesting because the owls is some in some ways um a, an embodiment of that fear. And I think women have been very good at keeping that secret for a long time. Men are starting to come in and understand that this is a lot more than just women, right? Like, uh, I don't mean to say it like that. Like, this is a lot more than just like, whoop, baby's out. Like, we're good. Like, everything's great. Um, if you listen to I listen to this podcast. It's incredible. But they have a doctor on talking about birth and like this idea of women who get C-sections, they're inherently wrong, right? Like, I can't believe that I got a C-section. Um, I was a C-section baby. My mom had twins and I was breached. So I was going to die. And if they didn't have it, like I came out blue. I almost didn't make it. And if they didn't have that technology, we would, like, I wouldn't be here today, you know? And I think there's something about this, like, um, and my dad was there the whole time. He saw my mom's stomach on her chest, you know, like it's that visceral, it's that real. And that's birth, you know, that is, that is labor and that is birth, right? Like that is, 
Um, and this idea of the owls being an embodiment, this like gross being of labor and birth and men have been out of it. So they don't understand it. And like forget menstruation, like fuck that noise, right? Nobody wants to talk about that. And I just feel very like there's something about the owls that I kind of love. Like, like good. Show the men what it is. Show men what menstruation is. Show men what labor is. Show men what because it's important like you guys should know that it's that it's hard and it hurts and it's it's a lot of things you know you yeah, poop I, on a table <laughs> <laughs> well I hear that that's not all the time but yeah I'm I mean, just saying that, like, right like the re- potentially poop on a table right the reality of it and yeah. I think it's like we paint this picture of it being such a miracle and something that like, you know, oh, and all of a sudden, then you're just so happy and your life is so perfect. But that doesn't even look at like, beyond the pain and mm-hmm. the pure shit show that is the Literal fact that like, show. there you go, that, you know, a human is coming out of another human's body. One, I think if men understood that, you know, we would have longer maternity, maternity. leave, we would yeah. have more. So, you know, it is beneficial to stop trying to perpetuate that secret that it's just this beautiful, like easy, natural thing. Mm -hmm. But I think also, you know, there's the stuff that happens beyond the birth that people don't talk about the fact that, you know, postpartum depression, or, you know, what if you had a stillbirth, or you had a miscarriage, you know, I mean, something like, you still have to sometimes depending on how far along you are in that miscarriage, you basically still have to give birth to that child like those are like terrible things that women have to deal with and their hormones and what's happening and like those stories we don't talk about and I you know I do think it's like I don't not to be running around and like a fear monger or whatever but like to have that truth so people can be prepared and I almost think it's like again back to that statement of in my mind the thought that empowered women empower women within that statement I think it also makes me think of like educated women educate women. Mm -hmm. And that's like, the more you can learn, the more we can help each other out. I think the stronger that we become, the better it is for everyone. Yeah, I mean, my gynecologist is a woman, so (laughs) she gets it. I'm like, oh, I'm getting an IUD. And she's like, this is gonna hurt. Let me just prepare you. It's gonna be painful. And I'm like, thank God she can tell me the truth, you know? Just kidding. But... (laughs) I just, I feel very, like, lucky that I'm in this position and also very, um, you know, cognizant that not all women are. So let's remember that women are people and they can suck like the owls. But also, let's just be like, hey, maybe take that training. Maybe, maybe take a moment and uh, think about, like, not hurting women. Yeah, where are you directing your anger? Is where that really? You, yes, it should be Adam. Always Adam. I'm sorry, friend Adam, but that's where you should be directing it. Because you know what? Adam is fine. <laughs> right? I mean, he, you know, he gave a rib. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. We give our vaginas every day. Just saying. All right. Great, great talk. <laughs> I hope you had fun with the elves. Uh, tell Andy that I love him very much. He loves you too. Oh, Andy. So... Uh, pairing well with this episode is the Equal Justice Initiative, um, and they are committed to ending mass incarceration and excessive punishment in the United States. Um, and they're committed to challenging racial and economic injustice and protecting basic human rights for the most vulnerable people in American society. Um, we will be donating to EJI 
um, in the show's name, we recommend that you also do, you know, $10, $5, whatever you can give really helps um, these incredible, incredible people continue their work. So pairs well with EJI. Um, it's got a light note. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, if you, if you swish it around in your mouth, you kind of get that, uh, what, what is a good feeling? Men, help me out here. <laughs> Men, help me out. I, I don't know. I'm not really, I, if, you, I, <laughs> if you swish it in your mouth, then you get a, you can taste that raisin flavor at the end. You know, <laughs> I don't know. what did they call it? The, the dirt flavor or whatever <laughs> it is of a wet stone. Oh, wet stone flavor. Yes. Yes, you can taste that whetstone flavor if you just swish that around in your mouth. Um, but that whetstone is so good for society. So please take a moment, donate to EJI. We will also be donating to EJI, and we're very excited for you guys to do the same. All right. Hey, men, I'll catch you on the folklore flip. Bye. Bye, Andy. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. But you can always find us on Instagram at Femlore Podcast or visit us online at Femlore.com. We love what we do, but we can't do it without you. Your listens, shares, and reviews keep us going. So please tell your friends about us. Femlore is produced by Mindy Scott, Rachel Marr, Aaron Crossland, and Lauren Crossland Marr. Audio engineering and music by Aaron Crossland. Research and coordination by Lauren Crossland Marr. And as always, canine support provided by Andy and Cody. Ow!